Hey, this is Tori. She, her, and hers. Um, Before the episode starts, I just want to say that we had a lot of technical difficulties throughout the episode. Um, It started on day one, ended on day two. Yes, we took two days to record this episode. Um, So it's not our best technical um, sound uh, episode, but even with that, I think we had a lot of great content for you during this episode and we hope that you will just work through it uh, listen to the parts that you can hear fast forward the parts you can't um, because the majority of uh, what we have to say today um, in today's episode is uh, fire so um, don't miss it don't skip it just uh, skip through the difficult parts all right so hope you enjoy today's episode and again thanks for listening what do you bring to the table? 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 Welcome to What Are You Bringing to the Table? This is your girl Sylvia, she, her, and hers. Hello, this is Tori, she, her, and hers. <sighs> heavy heart, heavy heart, because this is going to be a, a, a reckoning, a come to Jesus. Uh, this, this is moment. not, um, I mean, this is the third week that we've had to talk about I mean, we talk about it in general all the time. Yeah. But this is the third week that we have to reflect on the violence against the black community. Yeah. We have to pay attention to it. We have to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. Um, So it's not going to be our typical what story you got, what story I got. It's going to be what stories you got that go along with this. Um, I think there'll be some themes in it, but it's just... Want to talk about it? Uh, we're just gonna talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's what we're gonna do. There's no, there's no other way to do it but to talk about it and and address it and do our tiny little part in our tiny little sliver of our tiny community of listeners about this topic and what it means and what we can do. What are some of the things that we can do? Uh, to just address it and yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you said you had some. Oh, I did have one what's update. Yes, yes, I did have one, and it's probably going to be the best story of all. (laughs) I mean, it's actually good news, so might as well start off with some good stuff. Uh, so you actually did the story many episodes ago about the judge who had questioned the victim of a rape um, and asked her if she clo- or told her that if she closed her legs, she wouldn't get raped. Um, but he asked her a question. He said, yeah. what? He asked her a question, right? Right. So well, what was that question he um, asked her? This is from deadstate.org. Judge who told rape victim to close your legs gets booted from the bench permanently. 
thank to thanks to the state supreme court a New Jersey judge who was previously suspended for comments he made to an alleged <laughs> rape victim will never serve as a judge in the state again. Uh, the New Jersey Supreme Court issued a unanimous decision that to this Tuesday removing John Russo Jr. from judicial office and barred him from presiding over a New Jersey courtroom due to repeated and serious acts of misconduct. Uh, Russo first made headlines after he was reprimanded for asking an alleged rape victim why she didn't stop the assault carried out by the man she was seeking a restraining order against. Do you know how to stop someone from having intercourse with you, he asked her, according to a transcript. The woman replied, run away or try to get away, prompting Russo to then ask if there was anything else she could have done. Block your body parts, Russo said, offering more suggestions. Close your legs. Call the police. Did you do any of those things? In light of Russo's comments, the New Jersey Chief Justice Stuart J. Rabner wrote in the court's opinion on Tuesday that that it is inconceivable that Russo could preside over domestic violence or sexual assault matters in the future. No reasonable victim could have confidence in a court system where he presided over the ki- those kinds of cases again, he wrote. No witness, alleged victim, or litigant should be treated in the way, that way in the court of law, Rabner wrote, adding that the judges set the tone for the courtroom, especially when it comes to sensitive matters like domestic violence and sexual assault. That tone must be dignified, solemn, and respectful, not demeaning or sophomoric, failed at Russo failed in that regard. Boom. Gone. Out. Immediately? Done. Dunzos. Turn He's in gone. your robe. <laughs> they didn't go into how many judges have been removed like this? Uh no, they didn't. I mean I wish they would have because oh, yeah. he might be the, he might have been the first. Maybe right? that's why. There yeah. is no history. Yeah, this is pre- they just set precedent. Yeah. yeah. Um I mean, so to me, it's it's the repeated and serious acts of misconduct. So clearly, this wasn't the la- wasn't the first time. And to know that he had been on the bench for that long, and that this happened to be the final straw. Right, like, wh- and, and then we get to the point where we where we're at today, where people are like, just vote or go to court yeah. or trust in the justice system. Yeah, and we got this fool up in here blaming. You because you got raped. Right, exactly. How how does that how does that happen? <laughs> it uh, happens. And why does it take this long for that to have happened? Right. That's. I mean, that the, the deeper digging, and we could probably go back to the original story, but I'm sure it probably told how long he was on the bench. But that's like the deeper digging is how long he was on the bench, how many other uh, complaints, complaints. Had, been, had occurred and either come unfounded or, you know, no action taken or, you know, whatever you be. And or a, then, little, a little slap on the hand. Yeah, like, well, you know, suspension or, you know, you got to take a course on whatever. Right. Um, I mean, it's just like we talked about the uh, McMi- McMichaels, the men who killed uh, yeah. Ahmed. You know, we talk about that guy being a police officer and had repeated infractions for not attending the mandatory trainings. Right. And then was allowed to retire. So, I mean, in this case, at least they booted him and he wasn't allowed to retire because that would, you know, he would have had all his probably benefits and everything. So I'm I'm assuming 
I mean, I don't know how New Jersey is, but, um, you know, you probably give up some of those benefits um, that you would normally have gotten when you retired, right? Like, right. I don't know, though. But Maybe my, not. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Because sometimes judges, you know, like other people who are in power, they don't care if their, right. you know, if their purse has already reached the max exactly. capacity. Yeah. They just love the opportunity to sit up there and judge on people exactly. or sit up there and, you know, power and, you know, so, you know, I, he probably, even if they fired him, he's still going to be collecting his, his purse or whatever. Yeah. Well, my and problem, I'm my not problem, sure how, how old he is either. So they, they said he couldn't be a judge again, but a ju- he, they didn't revoke his law license, so he could still go practice law. I think the bar needs to do that. Yeah, so, you yeah. know, I mean, unless the bar moves to revoke his license, he's still going to go earn money, you yeah. know, and there'll be people that'll fucking hire him and, you know, jilted men, you know, yeah. who are getting divorced and my wife's just a bitch and all this stuff, you know, like he'll, he, he you know, be the kind of person that, Someone like that would hire. So. Oh yeah. Oh, the sword guy. Yeah. You know, like. <laughs> and clearly, sword guy, we got a new attorney for you. And clearly, he has no scruples, so he'll take no. the money, right? Yeah. Like. Right. And but do you see how it's like, you know, with like that just came flowing out of his mouth? Like, who the hell cares? I I own this courtroom here. Right. Yeah. I get, I get to say whatever the hell I want up in here and none of y'all can do anything. Yeah. It's like, what is the difference between what that police officer did to George to what this uh, judge did to this lady? Right. He because... demeaned you other than obviously the killing, but I'm not talking about that. part. <laughs> I'm just talking about, you know, this power. Right. And you're in a position that there it. You have zero power. You can't even make a complaint that's going to yeah. be taken seriously. Yeah. It, like, yeah, it's the it's the um, abuse of yes. the position and the no oversight. The 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 power of the privilege that's rooted in the systems of oppression that said this man could question the lady in that fashion right like it Mm -hmm. it harkens back to what i mean still exists today but the belief that um a woman probably was yeah you know was asking for it what were you wearing how Mm -hmm. did you didn't close your legs you know like that toxic masculinity that eroded in the systems of oppression that allowed him to feel 100 percent comfortable in saying that like, yeah, like nowhere in his head, like it wasn't like he hemmed and hawed and like, hmm, well, you know, I don't really want to say this, but, you know, like, no, he just yeah. went out. Just right. Oh, just in a blaze of glory. Yeah. Just no nope. shame her. Yeah. To shame her. Yeah. And like you said, it's not equivalent to a death, but the microaggression. Yeah, that's the, not even micro. Yeah, the macroaggression <laughs> of me, of the sexism of those questions for that woman who was there seeking a restraining order for domestic violence. So you already have a woman that's dealing with trauma and a trauma experience of being in a domestic violence situation, right? So mm-hmm. that, like, it doesn't, it's just another 
death by a thousand paper cuts. Yeah. You know, like yeah. the psyche and the breaking down of psyche who of people who are marginalized by our system of oppression. Yeah. And could you imagine have the humiliation in front of everybody? Like this isn't like we're in chambers yeah. and he's just shooting his mouth. Right. This is in front of everybody in public. Well, yeah, because the you know most of the time restraining order hearings are like in the morning. Just it's it's Mass it's people. with all other. It's all other. You know, like it's yeah. a lot of times it's like you you got the time allotted for restraining orders, and then you got the time allotted for evictions. But people kind of just sit in the courtroom until you know yeah. they, they get so to go number, next. Yeah. You know, so like you say, the humility of being in that courtroom and being asked that. And then like even thinking to myself, like, you know, you, some people would, jeered in there like, Oh hey, yeah. Right. You, you know? know? Yeah. 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 So that's disgusting. Well, I'm glad. It, like I'm I said, glad. we're going to start with something good and that's the something good. Yep. And the rest of it might not be so great. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I do have that what's update too, because um, I told you when we were together earlier. Um, oh, I forgot to put the button. Push the button. What is your? Oh, what's there we go. Update? I put it in the middle. Uh, I said that. Uh, was it Brianna? Yeah, Brianna, Brianna Taylor. Yeah. Yeah, that her man, Mister, was it Stephen? Uh, I'm not good with names. Kenneth. Kenneth. Oh, is it, it Kenneth? Kenneth? I feel like it was a Kenneth. Uh, is it Kenneth? Yeah. Um, that the charges had been dropped against him. Um, and he was the one that was uh, being, you know, being, ch- I'm assuming he was charged. Well, he was arrested. He was arrested for shooting a police right. officer yeah. after the botched, yeah. uh, after, after the botched the warrant. The botched warrant, yes. Break in slash yeah. busting in home invasion. Sleeping I'm sound, assuming. not having any anticipation that at any moment your house would get busted in on right and did right. what what a lot of people who have firearms for the protection of their home would do like yeah at the end of the day if you're if that i mean no reasonable human being could be expected not to react right if there's nothing in their life that's like you know, like, like if you're living like dirty, you're dirty, if you're, yeah, dirty. if you're riding dirty and you're doing mess and you know you're doing mess, Expect you, you have an expectation of something could happen at some point. Yeah. But we're talking about two people, no expectation, one of which, you know, Brianna, who's now dead, EMT, sir, you know, frontline worker. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I can't believe. Well. The issue, and we talked about it, so we don't need to go over it again, but I just want to continue to mention, he was arrested immediately, and those motherfuckers that killed Ahmed weren't arrested for almost two months. Right. Like, that's the disparity within the system that we're fucking talking about, is that you have a black man that is immediately arrested, and you have two white men that go free for almost two months. Yeah. So. Yeah. Which leads uh, us to why things are happening right now. Right. You know why? Right. Why? Why? Why is there? Why are there protests? Why are there riots? Why is there all that stuff chaos on your in Facebook? The streets? 
Why yeah. are people angry? Um, you know, and we have to talk about it. Yeah. We have to talk well, about it. And, and let's just go straight into, you know, people were okay as they were saying, you know, I'm okay with the protests. Like, I support the protest. That's all you hear. I support the protest. But then, and then there's that but again, you know, that but yep. in there. But then they started acting, you know, as breaking stuff, destroying property, um, you know, looting. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, I, I got to, I, I had some feelings about that because I'm, you know, I don't have a problem with, you know, with them protesting and, and, you know, and I, and I'm looking at this stuff and it's horrific when you start, you know, when you start seeing it, but then I'm like, but it don't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter how many ways you protest. Right. It, it it's, it's the same status quo. Exactly. And exactly. the same status quo is what has kept the African-American community straddled in chains mm -hmm. as if they were still slaves. Exactly. Exactly. There's, you know, the, there's no difference. And so I'm like, what if you're chained, what are you going to want to do but free yourself? Yeah. By any means necessary. By any means necessary. And this is it. By any means necessary. Yeah. And, you know, and... You know, I think as sitting here, you know, and I, I Latina, I'm like, mm, my, you know, our history doesn't have the same history as Africa. We were never bought and sold. Right. And terrorized for that many years. Our kids were not snatched. Our wives were not sold. We were separated from, you know, our families. Yes, through through ICE and through deportation. But we weren't sold somewhere down, you know, another plantation down the road and, and or forced to, you know, uh, like animal, basically, you know, and forced to have babies and forced to mate. And, you know, yeah. we don't even know half the horrifics. Yeah. I mean, it's unimaginable. Um, the terror one must have felt. To be literally taken from your home land, where you you know you're native to, shoved onto a boat, you know where where people just would die around you, and right. you know, and to another country, and then literally, you know, beaten, killed, for not doing what you're told to do for free right like right and for, then like you said then then the wives the, the the women being raped the babies being taken from the women um the powerlessness yeah i mean look at that one moment with you know this idiot police officer on the neck of george and the powerlessness that you could hear yeah. in those bystanders yeah you know Multiply that a hundred times if you're seeing your son or your daughter mm -hmm. or your wife being raped. Yeah. And the powerlessness of that. Yeah. And the generational trauma. It just didn't happen one time. Right. Didn't happen 
two times. It happened consistently. Mm-hmm. And to see perhaps maybe your mother or your father being lynched. Yeah. That is so traumatic. Right. And it's a generational trauma. Yeah. And as science will tell you, trauma affects your brain. It changes things in your brain. And, uh, you know, so when I, when, when I think of, you know, the things that Latinos have suffered, it's not at the magnitude as, as the African Americans, right. You know, this is, this here is a debt that white America has to pay. Yes. Towards the African American community, yeah. they don't owe they don't owe us uh, Latinos nothing. We we at least had uh, you know our country right a stone throw away that we could you know find refuge back if we decide to you know to go back whatever. Even though these lands we walk in these lands way before. Yeah. But I'm saying our, our <laughs> communities and our you know we wouldn't have we to go were... too far south to get back to exactly. our native land. <laughs> Exactly. Right. We can go deep down and hide, and we knew, we knew these Southern lands. Oregon, Nevada, California, right. New Mexico, these, Arizona, these Texas. These were stopping grounds. Yeah. We knew exactly where where yeah. to hide and where to run, and the you know this territory was known to us before it was known to them. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, you know, so I, I just you know it just as I'm thinking about it and and all of this, it's just like you know the we just happened to fall into the Jim Crow laws, the all the stuff that was meant to suppress African-Americans. Right. We, because they, they knew it was working for African-Americans. Right. Well, hey, why not Latinos? It's yeah. working too. Yeah. We're going to keep them out of our neighborhoods. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's the, why we keep a pure white neighborhood. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing is that, and I mean, we, I don't think we want to be like, you know, it's not the trauma Olympics or anything, but no. we, we have to acknowledge that the black experience in our country is probably the most traumatic Horrendous. experience yeah. uh, a, a community could could have. And like yeah. you said, the generational trauma, the hereditary trauma, what happens when you experience trauma and then it's passed on to your child and your children's children and your children's generation generations to d- that you know, it changes the cellular makeup of your DNA. And yeah. so I was interesting. I was, I was reading a book recently about how, um, you know, there, there's been this concept that uh, people who have had traumatic experience have too much cortisol because they're constantly mm-hmm. in trauma. But what it actually is, is they don't have enough because mm-hmm. they've been put into a constant state of traumatic experience. Right. So when mm-hmm. your brain and your amygdala reacts to the traumatic experience, it flushes your body with these hormones. And basically you become depleted in the ability to control and to, to that adrenaline system gets taxed right Mm -hmm. so if you think about generations who have had that experience and biologically what that the impact it has been on the ancestry right Mm -hmm. the higher the the higher rates of uh, mental health issues the higher rates of debilitating diseases like diabetes high blood pressure um etc um that's the i mean I think you did the story about uh, Ohio. Was it Ohio? Yeah. 
declared racism made, a public health issue. Yes. And that's, I mean, to, to me, that's like the connection that we're trying to make here with, with folks is that this didn't happen in a vacuum. Right. The, the anger and the protesting that's happening didn't happen in a vacuum. There becomes a tipping point in which these things happen in the making and changing of a society. Right. Yeah. I mean, what the motherfucking white people that came over on the on the boats did the colonizers, yeah. Yeah. the fucking Boston Tea Party was that a that was that a peaceful protest? No, hell no, it wasn't. Yeah. You know, like yeah. So it's okay when you're talking about the white liberation, <laughs> but yeah. when you talk about the black liberation and the brown liberation and even the LGBTQ liberation, oh, whoa, 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 yeah. now. Yeah. Why can't you just sit and peacefully? But like you said, that was done. What happened when professional athletes took a knee? When Kaepernick started taking a knee and everybody started taking a knee? Well, them sons of bitches and they better get their asses up. They're here to entertain us. Yeah. What? Not the the time and not the place. Yeah. How disrespectful of the flag. Yeah. Like. Hello? No, they're bringing politics into sports. Yeah. 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 And he lost his job. We'll, we'll leave it at that. He yeah. lost his job for a peaceful protest. Yeah. Yeah. Peaceful. You peaceful. can get more peaceful than that. Peaceful. When, when he, he didn't chant anything. He, <laughs> he just simply took a knee. Just took a knee for a and moment. Lost, and lost his job. Lost his fucking job. Yeah. So... So it's like, what do I got to lose? I ain't got nothing else to to lose. Yeah. There becomes a point where the anger has to come out. Oh, yeah. In my opinion. I mean, you know, I was kind of the same way. Like, I had those moments of, like, judgment of the rioting and the looting and all the things that are happening. And I'm like, at the same time, merchandise, things, property can be replaced. Mm-hmm. Lives cannot. George is not coming back. You know, when black lives that Ahmed are lost. is not coming back. Yeah. And I think about, like, I don't know. I just, um, so I have an article about that. Sort of, like, things you can say when riot, people say riots never solved anything. Oh, that's Because I feel good. like one of the things that we can do here is bring some, bring some tools, some things to be utilized. Yeah. Um, because... Not everybody can go to the protests. Not everybody can go down, you know, like I, I thought about it and I've weighed it back and forth. And um, so there, what are other ways and other areas that you can do work is, is I think what is imperative. Um, and, and I'm, and I'm wanting every person to listen. Yeah. Yes. Because this isn't, it's not uh, only white people, you know, you all have privilege us as Latinos, we have a more privilege than I'm going to say my African American sisters. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, I have more privilege. Absolutely. And you know, so I don't want people. I, I when I bring up racial issues, they're not to the extent of the racial issues that my sisters, my black sisters, have. Right. I but guess what? I'm supporting their right. cause exactly. because when I support their cause it benefits me as well. Right. Like it's, it's, you know, I was telling my son this, when we stand for black lives, 
We stand for our lives mm-hmm. and all lives. Exactly. That's that's just bottom line. Yeah. When we start to say, oh, look at them, that, 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 then basically what I'm saying is it don't matter. Latinos, same thing. You can kill them. We're not going to say nothing. We're just going to be quiet here. Right. Exactly. No, enough's enough. Mm-hmm. The, the system needs to change because when it changes for African-Americans, it's only... It, it's going to change for us because the system was set up to keep them down. Yeah. We, as I said, we just happened to fall into that because they're like, oh, it's working yep. for them. So, exactly. You know, exactly. yeah. we don't want you here either. Yeah. So guess what? Those laws pertain to you too. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, so to me, it's like we, we as Latinos, we can shoot ourselves in the foot when we try to separate, you know, right. our goals from you know, the agenda of African-Americans yep. wanting to yep. be treated equally when we're screaming the same thing, well, treat us equally. Mm-hmm. Well, shit, I'm treated a hell of a, and, I, and I'll tell you, my dad was as dark as dark can be in the Latino, you know, scheme of color. Mm-hmm. And his thing was, I'm not Mexican. Mm. Uh, I'm not one of them dirty Mexicans. Woo! That's the internalized hatred, the internalized hatred. And I'm like, but guess what? The white folks that have you living in this area here that have kept you in this, you know, segregated area and have given your children the segregated schools. They don't see you as nothing but the dirty Mexican that you claim you, you far from. Exactly. You are still in their eyes mm-hmm. the same, yep. but we want to view ourselves even with as little, uh, you know, as a little. If I can view myself a little bit better, right. then whoo, you know, whoo, you know. Yeah. But I'm not reaching any type of. I'm not getting any type of privilege or benefit. Right. I, you know, it's not benefiting. It didn't benefit him. He's still living in the same area. <laughs> He's still, you know, he still his children are still being segregated in these schools. Yep. So it's like you benefit nothing, but yeah. that's that internalized racism yeah. where we have to feel like, well, we're not like them. Right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. That It's just, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh. So some things that you can do, all of you can do when someone says riots never solve anything. Uh, and this comes from, I want to give credit where credit is due. Um, so let's talk about dot com. Uh, so the um, author is Rafi D'Angelo. So he posted it. And I actually, I I'm, I'm want to dig more into this website because it actually looks pretty good. Like, you know like pretty independent and Mm -hmm. you know not too corporate and whitewashed so um all right number one writing writing never solves anything this country was founded on rioting and looting the colonists didn't politely ask to be independent they started a war gays threw a brick black people rioted all over this country please let go of the falsehood and pick up a history book Number two, writing just gives people a reason not to support your cause. 
only if you equate property damage to human lives. And in that case, you really are, were you really supporting our cause anyway? If at all, if, if all it takes is people stealing from Target for you to say, well, now I don't care about dead black people, then why are we even speaking? The rioters are criminals and they don't even care about police brutality. There are criminals among us in every group, whether peaceful or violent, but the reasons riots break out are varied and complicated. Look at the pictures of Minneapolis before anyone ever threw a rock or started a fire or stole anything. The police firing rubber bullets and cans of tear gas into crowds of people who were peacefully protesting. What do you do when you're frustrated and upset and no one is listening to you? Better yet, what do you do when you're not when they're not only refusing to listen but actively trying to cause you physically harm to shut you up? Do you go home, stand there peacefully, or get mad and try to hurt them back? Does it really matter who hurt you at that point? Would you try to hurt someone in full tactical gear holding a weapon or would you try to go hurt so, uh, something like a multi-billion dollar business with insurance that probably contributed to the decimation of mom and pop shops in your community do you want to actually die in the moment or are you just upset and frustrated at the at breaking point at your breaking point and you want to smash something be frustrated being frustrated is no reason to be violent everybody reacts to stress differently i have no desire to riot that's not what my frustration at this world makes takes root. It doesn't matter it doesn't manifest itself as rolling massive energy that needs to be released, but I can understand how to it could to others. Look at the situation. We're in the middle of a global pandemic and you and many of the people on the front lines making sure you be comfortable at home are black people, risking their lives for minimum wage, dealing with entitled white folks every single day. The virus itself is being is affecting black people at the higher degree because we're denied access to health services and we're forced to work during it. Even in the middle of a pandemic, when most of the country sat at home for weeks, civilians being murdered by police did not see downward turn at all. We're on track for the same number of deaths we saw last year. All week, every day, a new video of racism in America. From white women using police as their personal security service to an elderly woman being tackled by cops with guns drawn on another black man who can't breathe. Murdered by a cop who shouldn't have been fired, who should have been fired a long time ago. How do you feel about your country when people who look like you have work, have to work through a pandemic and are dying at large numbers from disease. Have the police called on them over a dog leash, are told they're trespassing on property they pay rent for, are brutalized by armies of cops, and are killed in broad daylight for the crime of jogging. How do you feel? How would, the, how would you react? Regardless of how you would react, how can you tell someone else how they should? People are angry. They have the right to be angry. And I can't tell, some, I can't tell someone else how their anger should manifest. Because they are grown and Target has insurance. I promise you, Target will just be just fine. Attacking an elderly disabled man is a step too far. That woman is 30. She can walk just fine. And she went to Target armed with a knife to stab, a black, pe stab black people. That's why white people unloaded a fire extinguisher on her. Because she was violent maniac. On one side, people stole stuff from a big box retail. On the other, someone stabbed people unprovoked. And yet, your concern is whether anybody successfully stole a TV. There are better ways. Keeping work, 
Keep working on be those better ways. Don't let riots stop you. Fight the criminal justice reform. Fight for income equality. Fight for universal health care. Fight for free education. Fight for higher taxes for the 1%. Fight all of those things that would make rioting less likely. And while you're fighting the fighting the long, slow war toward black people having a fair shot in this country, the same war we've been fighting for hundreds of years, there will be times when people directly affected by um, the war see your actions as futile and they just want to break some stuff. Clutch your pearls less and speed up the war if you're so offended by property damage. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's all true. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's all true. It's like, yeah. it, like for me, like, when I, because, again, like you said, I, I was also, like, uh, and then I read that, and I'm like. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. This and is my thing, it's true. And my, <laughs> my thing for those people that took property, and I was talking to somebody about this, how could you look at that property, say a TV, if I had stolen a TV, how could I look at that property and know that a man died for me to have for me to get that TV. Yeah, you know. So those that are looting know that that property that you stole was at the expense of a man that died. My thing is, if you, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't. I would break some windows, <laughs> but to take something, to take something to profit myself is like, dude, I mean that I, for me, it's just like, I, I couldn't, you know, I'll spray paint a damn building. Mm -hmm. I'll knock a statue down. Uh, you know, I'll break a window, but I, I couldn't look at that TV in the same, in, in the same way because yeah. George died. George died for me to get that TV. I think there's a piece of it though. I mean, again, I'm just like conjecture here. Um, yeah of like you know when when you have such a divide of haves and haves nots i think yeah. there is something in in people that are like you know well finally i can get mine right like yeah and i I'm get that get, too man, i get it. it like i totally yeah. understand it like i get they it don't like, give it i'm getting like right yeah like this you know my, my opportunity i'm gonna get me some and i'm gonna get you know and i mean i guess i kind of kind of get it i don't know like i said i don't think i would do it i'm kind of like you i'd be i'd bust shit up i'd fucking spray paint i might even light a fire <laughs> <laughs> right or at least cheer uh, the fire on but yeah. um yeah as far as taking stuff yeah i don't know i think i i'm kind of in the same boat of like it would still always have that it would have a that taint. energy to it you know and yeah a um, taint but I also see why people do it. Again, like yeah. when I read this, I'm like, hey, yeah, people express their anger and pain in different yeah. ways. And I mean, we certainly are a society that that promotes uh, materialism as a means right. to comfort yourself. Right. Right. So uh, and I'm like, but if you took something, thank George. <laughs> right. That's thank George. <laughs> That's yeah. I mean, for real. Thank George. I mean, that's it. Thank Ahmed. Thank Brianna. Thank everybody. Right. You know, thank, thank everybody that died for you to have that television or those shoes or that right. you know that, iPad mm -hmm. or whatever. Versace. Um, that what were they? No, they were breaking into uh, uh, Louis Vuitton. Louis Vuitton. Yeah. 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 yeah so. I, I, 
if you can wear that proudly, that's when you right. Then like wear you, it, you, you girl. pay homage to all the the men and women that have yep. died. Uh, yeah, take care of it. Exactly. Let it be your token um, of remembering. You know, George. Yeah. You know how they say serial killers, they take. They <laughs> I'm not saying that in this case, but I'm just saying, treat it with respect. Treat yeah. whatever property you have with respect, because somebody lost their lost life, their for, life that. for that. Yeah. You know, many that, people lost their lives for that. Yeah. 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 Um, so. I mean, I guess it's no different than us fucking going bombing the Middle East for oil. That's true. I mean, and guess, and guess every what? time we, we get in your car, vehicles. every time you we get in your car, fill that tank up. So we'll like, think uh, you got to thank we'll, the, the people that have died for that. And yeah. I don't mean the soldiers. I mean, the innocent yeah. people of the Middle East. Well, that's like that's like killing your your, you know, when they kill the uh, what is that in Avatar when they killed that animal there? And she's like, he's doing, you know, she's like kind of praying over the animal there to say they give to us. It's, you know, it's, we we honor their life. You know, I mean, I, if you doing that, I yes, I yeah. applaud you. Take take whatever you want <laughs> then and understand that you are you are honoring George Floyd's life. Yeah, and those that, that you know that died before him. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Do you want to take a little break and then we'll come back and do some more of this stuff? Yes. All right. We'll be right back. Yeah. All right, we back. Two. What are you bringing to the table? Okay, well, we uh, started to get into it, so we're like, we gotta hit record because we're losing content, wasting oh, content yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. What do you want to talk about? Um. So I had an article here. Uh, let me see. I had an article here um, because part of what I want to make sure is that, you know, from coming from the Latino culture and coming from San Diego, mm-hmm. um, you know, growing up in a predominantly African and Latino community. And. <laughs> And what got me, what got me on this was, cause that, that was normal. Like when you live in that type of community, it's like normal. Right. Like, you don't think, yeah, we're the white people around here. You you don't think that. Right. Especially as a, as a kid, maybe as an adult, you think it, but as a kid, you, this is just normal. Right. And um, the schools that you attend, it's just normal. How kids behave, it's just normal because that that is your normal. And it's not until you're pulled outside of that normal that you begin to realize, wait a minute, something's not quite right here. Like, I I don't know what, this feels nice over here. And then you got to go back to your community. Right. So just to give a little, um, so I, I grew up with, you know, mom and dad, mm-hmm. two parent home, mm-hmm. dad works, mom works, uh, mom primarily though, her job as a housekeeper, she's cleaning homes. She coordinated her schedule around our school schedule. Um, so she had more flexibility. So she was working and being a full-time mom all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, my dad worked in a trade, 
And so his job could keep him, you know, from sun up all the way to sundown. You know, if he if he's pouring concrete, he has to, you know, be there the yeah. whole day. Yeah. Now, my grandfather lived maybe uh, two miles away. And all of my dad's brothers and sisters, they lived in and around the vicinity there. Like, they were all very close. Growing up, this is normal. Like, this is quite normal. Right. My thinking, oh, they all like, you know, they all want to be together. Do, do, do. Isn't that nice? Right? Then, growing up more, you also then have, across the way, you have Logan Heights, the body of Logan Heights, Mm -hmm. which, you know, is where, Mm -hmm. you know, the epicenter of Chicano Park and all that. Right. Growing up in the 70s, that, you know, that's grown up in the 70s, my parents, not, you know, not educated in that my mother, second grade, but she comes from Mexico, totally something totally different. Mm -hmm. My father, however, is intergenerational you know, American. Mm-hmm. That's why he says I'm American. I'm mm-hmm. not one of them mm-hmm. dirty Mexicans, right? Mm-hmm. So his pride is the line crossed us. We didn't, we didn't right. crack up and we didn't do anything. Right. Our family has always been here. Um. So, you know, so as I'm like exploring and I'm thinking, you know, how did the, how, how, how did come about, you know, that, kids of color like that you know how is it that our test scores are so low and da 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 and you know and so I started doing my own little research in just my community that I grew up in Mm -hmm. my parents as hard as they were working they believed in education as best as you can and education was at least graduate from high school right right that was that was like if if you can graduate Mm -hmm. from high school (laughs) Woo, that's like you got a doctorate degree. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Because they, they didn't even come close to that. Yeah. So that was like, you do that, girlfriend, and oh, we we will be okay with right. that. Right. So they sent us to, mind you, a private school oh, yeah. that they had to pay for. Right? Yeah, you would think that, right? <laughs> but at the same time, they for they gave up a lot of privileges that they could normally get a brand new vehicle so i grew up with vehicles that would uh break down the middle of the freeway uh i mean no gas used cars right never never no no new cars always like uh, and dad used car and then a used car (laughs) dad underneath the vehicle fixing on the weekends you know yeah, you didn't never, da- take it to a mechanic. Who no, was like who? Who in the family not. could work on it? Exactly, <laughs> and he was very good with you know mechanical things because yeah. he, he had to. to like, be. I mean, yeah, that was that was it. Um, so they gave up on a lot in order for them to make this thing happen. Right. Now, mind you, they had six kids. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and that racks up pretty pretty big bill. So. Um, so we were living in this community, but what ended up happening was we were, the school was obviously in another community and with right. majority of white students, white other kids that came from areas that 
you know, we knew as, oh, that's middle class, semi, you know, middle yeah. class or, you know, or high class, right. whatever it is. Right. And that's where I began to see the difference and yeah. begin to recognize something here is not right. Yeah. And I remember telling a teacher uh, when I was growing up, I, yeah, I, I wish that I, and I, I remember this as clear as day. I wish that I were white and my name would be, I would choose Samantha. Woo! Right, right. I, you know. Internalized uh, and not, depression. And not one person, not one teacher said, Sylvia, you are right, right just the way you are. God, yeah. not what? God created you exactly as he wants. He's proud of you. None of that. What? It was just. It was just a giggle, like a laugh, like, you know. Wow. Yeah. And so, you know, and then I start to to look at whether it be my family members or the community members and this wanting to separate myself from that. Yeah. Because, one, I'm not part of really part of that community. I am a part of this community right. over here because you spend a hell of a lot of time in your yeah, school, right? Absolutely. You spend so if you do um, any kind of like activities a- or extra activities yeah. or spending time with your friends, right? So I, I, that's where I started doing this research, and I was talking to my mom the other day because I was like, "Mom, hey, tell me about this." So this comes from the San Diego Voice or Voice of San Diego, and it. Uh, this came out in April of 2008. Mind you, oh, I graduated. Whoa. Yeah, I graduated in 1985. And so this title was Three Decades Later, Busing is Revered, Resented, and Routine. Mm. As dawn breaks over Logan Heights, which is the Barrio Logan Heights, 40 middle school students file stop by stop onto the school bus that delivers them to La Jolla. Mind you, La Jolla is the epicenter. I mean, it's like Beverly Hills right, for right. San Diego. Yeah. Mexican markets and taquerias flint away behind the bus windows, gradually replaced by posh boutiques and million-dollar views. The 40-minute journey is utterly normal for many preteens. Their daily routine since kindergarten when parents pulled them from Logan Heights schools. They chatter about future studies and playing soccer at La Jolla High like siblings who came before them as a yellow bus rumbles towards Maryland's middle school. Since the 1970s, families in southern neighborhoods of San Diego have chosen to send their children northward via a racial integration program that imports children from mostly black and Latino neighborhoods to largely white areas. Nearly 7,000 San Diego Unified students boarded buses through the program today and trade classrooms in Logan Heights for La Jolla, Sherman Heights for Claremont. Those are, La Jolla is the, you know, the fluency. Claremont is, you know, known for being just being white. The busing program was created to diversify schools, but parents choose it for a variety of reasons, some entirely unrelated to diversity. Uh, So it goes in that they're basically saying, hey, I'd rather send my kid to Point Loma than, you know, to the gang infested, you know, schools there. Right. Um, 
so it says uh so the school the schools and then they talk about the schools are smaller they're talking about how you know we like the interaction of the teachers and how they interact with students how the principal is very interactive with you know right with the students blue 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 right 30 years after its inception the largely south to north circuit of buses is alter is alternately revered and resented yellow buses are prized routine to opportunity, safety, and racial equity for some San Diego families. They're also a practical necessity that saves that staves off overcrowding in southern schools and boosts overcrowding oh and boosts enrollment uh, in their northern counterparts. Yet critics argue that busing does little for student achievement and shifts millions of dollars from south, the poor community, to north, to the white communities. They lament the mourning exodus of students, the demoralizing implication, true or false. And, and you know, yes, you do see the difference between your community and the school that you're going you to. Of course you do. How Those could you not? That you neighborhood not? school, yeah, that your neighborhood schools are inadequate. We call it the mind drain, says Ugh. Colbert Williams, a retired, a retired counselor who used to work at Lincoln High School. Lincoln High School would have been the high school that I would have gone into. Okay. That that was my, it would have been either Morris or Lincoln High School. Mm-hmm. Um, so some families are drawn to the egalitarian promise of busing Latino, Black, White, and Asian children learning and playing together. For, for others, race is incidental to a quest for better education or gang-free schools. Mm. Through busing, those families have avoided neighborhood schools, believing the opportunity lies north of Interstate 8. It's an escape, said Juan Ortiz, a southeast uh, San Diego parent who coordinates the local chapter of the Association of Raza Educators. His daughter attends High Tech High, uh, a charter school instead of a neighborhood school, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so here. San Diego Unified started integrating schools in 1970 using a two-pronged strategy. Voluntary first, busing or busing pulled black and Latino children into mostly white schools. Magnet schools that draw students district-wide were designed to attract white students to prominently black and Latino schools, which they use the arts, you know, dance, right. kind of like Jefferson, how yeah. they had the Jefferson dancers. Yeah, yeah, That's how you were able to pull, you know, white students into predominantly black and Latino schools. Whereas right. by, hey, we got this awesome dance program and everybody wants to, you know, go to that school. Same here as far as Benson, the Polytech school, right? right? Yeah. So, um so it says uh, the the D okay so the desegregation effort was spurred by a 1977 court ruling that required San Diego Unified to integrate 23 minority racially isolated schools where students were effectively segregated by race. Mm. I'm bringing that up because that's 1977. Mm. So when we as Latinos we talk about yeah uh, we like. What what racial injustice that right there already tells you we're looking around. We don't know any different. Right. But, you know, but clearly the courts and whoever sued, because that's that's the only way that we can get anything, either by protest, suing. Right. Right. You know, getting money out of something (laughs) out of a cause in order for change to really happen. Right. But, you know, I'm living in that neighborhood and I'm thinking this is this is normal. right? Right. 
And then I started going into the, you know, looking around. And I'm, as I told you, my dad was able to support all his kids. I never went hungry, never went hungry. We always had beans and tortillas, but never went hungry. He was sending his kids to school, but yet we were living, you know, we were living in the most uh, poor area of San Diego. I remember, and I got to confirm this with my mom, that they were talking about moving and we went to with realtors to go look at some properties. Yeah. I remember the two properties in particular that they took us all to three, maybe two or three, but two of them caught my eye because as I'm thinking about it now, I'm like, okay, but anyway, let me tell you about these two properties that I remember as a kid. And I was probably about six or seven, uh, go into one and one looks like it was specially built for uh, a short person. Okay. <laughs> I, I would have loved that. that. Yeah. I remember it very clearly because as a kid, I'm thinking this is like a dollhouse. Like the, the, the ceilings were short, the, you know, everything was tailored for somebody who was small. Oh my God. I would love that. Yeah. And, and so I remember being super excited about that place. Yeah. I, and I remember like, Oh, let's get that house. Let's get that. It was cute. Yeah. But everything was sized yeah. down. Right. <laughs> so obviously my parents are going to be like, yeah, that ain't going to work for yeah. us. <laughs> you know, that's just not going to happen. The other house that they showed was a house. And I remember it dark, danky cat feces, all wow. over the place. And, you know, so to me, it was like, if I'm a realtor, why am I going to show these homes right. to people that I want them to buy? Right. Like, you know, why would I do that? Yeah, it was a way of keeping you to say you can't afford yeah. anything more than just this. Yeah. Keeping you and in an you area. You know, it's like redlining, right? Yeah. It's it's exactly. a it's a covert way of redlining. Like I'm gonna only show these houses to the family of color because we wanna keep them in certain areas. Yeah. Right. But we don't wanna be blatant about right. it. Right. Yeah. We want them to say, Oh yeah, we can't afford if this is all we can afford, we're better off staying where we're right. at. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, so I you know, all of this is playing into my head and then we go back into the schooling. And then I'm thinking, and my parents didn't know any better. They just thought they were going to give us a good education right. by sending us to this private school. But they, because when I asked my mom, she was like, I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that they were doing this kind of stuff, that they were busing kids out, that there was a lawsuit, that there was. But my family members, my, you know, my cousins, they went to these schools. Mm. And the younger that we, you know, the younger ones like myself and you know some other cousins who took the option to be bussed out you know our life and our cultures changed they shifted as well like because you see something and you're like well i don't want and this is the internalized racism i don't want to be like that yeah because the majority and where the privileges lie are over here yeah 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 so let me and you know let me not have an accent, mm -hmm. not talk like that mm -hmm. because you'd be laughed at in a majority of, you know, yeah. back then, because now, you know, speaking 
hip hop and all that it, it, now is glorified in white communities. Well, yeah, it's been appropriated. So right, exactly. You know. <laughs> until you know, until it really comes to stand up for black lives right, matter, exactly. Then we, then we don't want it. I'm sorry, sir. But, exactly. So, but but back then it was like, yeah, you no anything that you could do to rid yourself of your culture. Mm-hmm. That's you know that's what you were doing because right. you know you wanted something better right quote unquote which better. if you think on a historical oppression concept right of yeah. course you're gonna do that because look what they did to native americans by you know ripping them from their um homes putting them in native schools what they call native schools not allowing them to speak their own language you know forcing forced assimilation yeah. right so yeah of course, that generational um, trauma is going to relive itself. Of course. Yeah. Like, e- yeah. E- even though you didn't really, like, realize why you were doing it, like, of course, that that's right. what's going to happen. Because right. the systems and the history of oppression has made it such that it has always separated the good from the bad, right? Right. I mean, you know, I I remember being told as a child that my dad was one of the good Mexicans. Oh, yeah. So, you know, like, so that, you know, so what that did in my head and concept of what it does it mean to be a good Mexican or a bad Mexican, you know, know, not to the extent about you of any means, but like, But it could potentially, if yeah. you met somebody, be like, oh, you're one of the bad ones. Oh, I'm yeah. sure I did. I fucking yeah. discriminate. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I fucking yeah. made fun of, you know, uh, the, the the rancheros that would come in to, you know, um, as migrant workers, you know, yeah. and, yeah. Um, you know, much like you, like, I don't want to be one of them, you know, yeah. like your dad, like you said, I'm yeah. not a dirty Mexican, you know, that kind yeah. of. So, of course, that's going to play out in our communities because of the white supremacy history has always been to separate right yes to separate yeah. and divide and and that's how they hold and control the power uh, and, and not to and to tease you that that's a possibility for you right yeah you know it's it's a tease oh yeah like you... here, dangle the carrot dangle it right because uh, you you can get that God. And it's like, uh, yeah, no, but with, like you said, with the redlining, no, your your place is over here. Right. You guys stick over there. This is your neighborhood over here. Right. You can't move out of that. Right. So, you know, getting back to this article, you know, so here's this thing is the what inadvertently happens now is that so they're taking the students out of these black and brown, predominantly black and brown schools and busing them along with an additional 200 per student. Dollars. So dollars. Yep. So for these high affluent schools to accept these black and brown students, not only are we going to give you what normally a normal regular student would get from, you know, the educational funds, but we're also going to give you an additional $200. Right. Yeah. To prompt up even more your school yeah. while depleting the local neighborhood school. Yep. Yep. So yeah. when I start thinking of test scores and why high dropout rates, I'm like, 
not many school teachers are choosing to go to work in those schools. Right. They want to go to the La Jolla's. Yeah. They want to go to the Claremont's. The teachers that we're getting in these brown and black schools are the ones that are tired, the ones that, you know, don't know what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, it's often a a new, like a new teacher. They got to go out, they got to get the experience, and then as soon as they're ready, transfer the fuck out. They're they're jetting out. (laughs) Yeah. Why? Because we don't know these unruly kids, whatever There's no support for them, you know, all of it, yeah. All of it. When if they kept that money... Inside that school. And given the additional 200. Right? Like, <laughs> imagine how that could have, they could have thrived. So now what's happening now, now this is a, we're using people, students of color as commodities. Yeah. So now what's happening is they can't end the bus, the busing because they didn't invest in an infrastructure to now sustain all the students in that community. So overcrowd we talk uh, overcrowding because you didn't you were planning on busing for the rest of yeah i guess until the world ended and then these schools that the in these white affluent they wouldn't be able to sustain their schools because the population would be so low that it'd be like you don't right <laughs> exactly like a ghost town right yeah so now it's like so you're continuing to bus kids out of their communities showing them this and then blaming you know the students that are left behind that want to be a part of their communities a part of their culture right and blaming them for low test scores when monies aren't being funneled in the same way as these affluent schools that you're taking our students to well yeah and not only like the monies for for that but like even just the general maintenance and upkeep of a building, right? That's right. Like That's right. how many of those those inner city schools are living with mold, leaks, fixtures that don't work, uh, not a fucking science lab of anything, yeah. you yeah. know, that works. Um, yeah. Where, you know, you go to the affluent school, they're going to have a science lab and a computer lab and everything yeah. has running water. You know, makes me think of a... Uh, that show I watched that show uh, All American on uh, Netflix. Well, it's a yeah. I think it's an FX show, but or no, it's a CW show. Um, so the gist of it is this kid plays football. It's loosely based on a real story. Um, fo- plays football player goes to like Crenshaw or something like that. Yeah, he gets an opportunity to go play at Beverly Hills. So you know, like it it shows. The the sh- the show is good in that it shows like that exact thing like this the differences of the affluent school and the inner city school with high rates of kids of color and like even kind of touches on the system systemic things that have caused it like busing yeah. and yeah all these things right yeah yeah yeah. So they start going down to uh, the breakdown of the cash. So it's a 60% of the school bus riders in San Diego Unified that it spends $36.6 million annually on transportation. Jesus! To transport all those students out, that's $36.6 million. What the hell? Amid talk, amid budget shortfalls, parents have eyed buses for cuts. 
Compared to Los, Long Beach and Los Angeles, two similar California school districts, San Diego buses a higher percentage of its students, roughly 16%, compared to 9% of students in Los Angeles and 14% in Long Beach. Yet the district spends about $800 less per bus student than Los Angeles and 400 more per student than Long Beach. Crazy. 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 And, and it keeps going it keeps going on with you know the um with the uh breakdowns, the zip codes. Right. And you know, and I'm like I and I and this is not to say what would my parents have chosen because I already know what my parents would have chosen. Right. They would have chosen that affluent school because of test scores, because of you know, gang activity as at at the time. Um but at the same time, I think, but I would have been more connected to my community. I right. probably, you know, I'd probably have a lot more um, connection to it, even though my dad, you know, was a uh, little league coach. He did that for many years because of my brothers. So that was our connection, the community. But it was more so like, hmm, you know, I... Yeah, I just, it, it just boggles me when I think about the only reason why, you know, family members were able to go a different school. And for me, it was different. The only reason why I was able to go was because my parents paid for us to go. Right. But the only reason, because they, they did not want us to be hanging out with, you know, in public schools. Yeah. They didn't want the influence. Mm -hmm. That was their thing. We don't want the influence of public schools. We don't know those parents. We don't know, you know, what they're teaching. Um, but I think of, you know, if, let's say if I had been, you know, going there, I, I might have, you know, I might've succumbed to, you know, be becoming a chola and because mm -hmm. that's, that's they what know. you see. That's part you of Chicano know. culture. Yeah. Right. That's part of Chicano you know. culture. Yeah. And that would have scared, that scared the hell out of my mom, <laughs> <laughs> probably more so than if I had gotten pregnant, you know? <laughs> That that was her worst fear. Was uh, that? And I think, why is that the worst fear? I mean, right. Just because you know I'm wearing some dickies, or right. you know, yeah. What, what was what would have been so bad about that? But it spoke rebellion. Yeah, know, that you were rebellious. Yeah, for them it, it was. It, yeah, it, yeah. It it was viewed more yeah. because. At that time, it was the Chicano movement. Right. So it was when Chicanos were rising up to say no more. Same thing. No more uh, yeah. police brutality in our streets. No more, you know, we're done with it. Right. We're, we have pride here. But for them, it's because my dad coming from Texas, very racist, he grew up, you just knew your place. Mm-hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and you stay in your place. Yeah. You don't, you know, you don't do anything more than just that. So the, you stay in your place. The level of internalized oppression that and, your dad and, had that resulted that, in that over there. That's bad. We good. We're the good ones. Like, yeah, the, don't like make no we're the waves. good ones. We, we know our place. Don't speak too loud. Don't, don't act. Exactly. You better act right when you. And, That's right. Yeah. Because we know what could potentially right. happen. Yeah. You know, ah. and the, and that's the, that's the sad part is that, um, you know, and I, I, his perspective was safety. 
Like this is how we right. keep ourselves yeah, safe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is a lot of the same thing that you know African Americans experiences. In order for us to stay safe, you know, we're quiet. That's why you have this. You know, oh, should we say because our, the traumatize the traumatization that my grandfather probably saw, and I never talked to him about it, but I'm sure he sure. saw all kinds of shit. And my dad, I know I've spoken to him when he was alive. There was incidences that, you know, he knew were clear racial. Right. You know, but it was, this is how we keep ourselves right. safe. Right. You know. We yeah. Can't, they were racist we, incidents, but you didn't say anything. And and be grateful that right. you're not black. Right. That's, that's the thing. Be grateful that you're not black because it could be worse. Right. That And, and right there, that's why I tell all my Latino brothers and sisters, you know it's worse yep. for African Americans. Yep. So if you know that it is worse, then you need to stand behind Black Lives you Matter. You need to say something. Yeah. That's right. It's, yeah. it's not cool to sit back or to say, oh, but the looters, oh, but the this, right. oh, but the that. Yeah. Bullshit. If you don't want it for you and if you don't want it for your own community and if you claim to be Chicano and all that comes with Chicano, then that means you got to you got to stand for Black Lives Matter. Period. Yep. Done. Yep. No more. Yep. One hundred. We fell into that segregation with them. Yep. And we we can't get out of it unless they get out exactly. of it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. One hundred percent. That's all I got to say. All right. I'm silent. Okay. Um. Joke. Well. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um. So to dovetail on that, um, well, I want to give some more information because that's a good uh, segue into the other article I had that um, is on. Um, do you want to take a break? Yeah. Okay. I we'll got, take a I break. Got a whiny dog. Oh, okay. Well, we'll take a break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about that article. All right. We'll all be right. right back. All right. Okay. Welcome back. Two. What are you bringing to the table? Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, from the break, uh, we were talking about being allies, kind of getting into ally work. What does it mean to be an ally, not only as a white person, but other people of color, other than yeah. non, other non-black people doing their own work, too, to be allies for black folk. Um, and so I have a article um, that is going to help you. And it is entitled, For White Friends Desiring to Be Allies. However, we're putting the caveat here of, For Non-Black Friends Desiring to Be Allies. Yeah. Because as you have talked about, as we have talked about, we have to do our work as other POCs for black folk because their plight has been the worst. Right. That's right. And and we got to be for real. And... Our communities, Latin, Latino communities, Latinx communities, there really is a internalized racism against the black community. And um, that, you know, as as I said before, my dad is as dark as dark can be in the shit, you know, in the Latino Mm -hmm. culture. You know, he looks like a Mexican. Yeah. But his family generational living here uh he wanted he did not identify as mexican because he was i'm was not born in mexico you know and so there was a 
you know, this internalized racism against Mexicans, Mm -hmm. you know, and so that, you know, that kind of bled into, you know, just, uh, you know, again, that there's something different between me and, and here's the crazy part. My mother is born and raised in Mexico. So I am first generation on her side, which means when I go and visit my family in Tijuana and I'm hearing, you know, my dad, Tejano culture over here saying, you know, dirty Mexicans, what do you think that does to the the brain of a child when they're just like, but that's my family, Uh, you know, uh, 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 but at the time it's like you ignorance right it's plain ignorance yeah and we still live in that ignorance until we begin to educate ourselves and that's the part of where we go through waking ourselves up slowly going through some grieving processes of you know saying we we're enraged we're angry with the you know the lies that we've been told um you know the segregation that we were living in without even knowing that we were segregated and you know so the blindfold starts coming off and you go through that enrage and you know chicano power brown pride and that's so that you could feel good about who you were after years of somebody telling you you know, something's wrong with you and you just don't know why something's wrong with you. You, you, they don't tell you it's because of your skin color. You hear the word spick, you hear the word wet back, you hear all these things. Mm -hmm. And because of that self-hatred, it's just like, I'm not one of them. Right. I'm not one of them. Right. You know, so uh, it's a mind screw. Right. A mind screw. Yeah. It's it's totally like that, you know, um, when, like you're saying, and like in my experience of being biracial, you know, hearing things like spick, wetback, beaner, you know, but always couched in a joke, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's, oh, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. You know, and you, and yeah. you laugh a lot. I mean, I know I did. I laughed along with it. You know, I make the joke myself because it helps you fit in and assimilate to the situation, right? Right. But then it also does this thing to your mental, like you're saying, of, of, of your identity of feeling like suspect no matter where you go. Right. Right. Because this, this portion doesn't want you, this portion doesn't want you. It's like, where do you fall? And, and all of this is because of systemic oppression, right? right? Systemic white supremacy of if we keep each shade working against each other, right? If we say, well, you're just a little bit better because of this, like you take Asian Americans, for example, mm-hmm. the, the fact that they have been just lumped in as Asian, right? Right. When there are, I mean, you're talking multitudes of things that, that encompass what it means to be Asian from, from yeah. Japan to Filipino to um, uh, Chinese, Korean. And so a lot of the demographics and the statistics that, the white culture will use about Asians and the myth of the model minority has been perpetrated because they have lumped the statistics all into one. But if they get broken down, you see uh, divisions of Asian uh, demographics like the Filipino demographic um, having higher 
rates of um, poverty, having dis- those disproportionalities, mm-hmm. right? So the white supremacy culture has said, oh, you know, Asians are so smart and they're so advanced. And, and they are, there are, there are many doctors and, you know, just as in anything, but it's been this created myth of the model minority that has then led to this, we're better than them, we're better than this right. brown, we're better than this black, we're better than this shade, you know, right. that has all been created by this white supremacy system. Right. And I will say this over and over and over again, that every um, thing that people of color have been able to achieve have been on the backs of black activists, those freedom writers. 100%. So, you know, for us not to stand up for Black Lives Matter, it's a slap in our own face. Because if they, if, if, if the system is broken, because the system was designed to keep them out. Yes. Designed to keep them out. Yes. It wasn't, you know, because I keep seeing, seeing, oh, it's a broken system. No, it was designed this way. You know, the, you know, scamming out of lands, the, you know, the terror, all of that, the redlining, it was all to keep blacks out of white areas mm-hmm. and we fall in you know we just happen to they just it it just applied to us as well yeah so um you know when i when i hear latinos you know not really quite getting it it's like oh excuse you excuse mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. the reason why you're able to get this job is because of civil rights right and you know and that was what mark i didn't see your you know your ass out there getting bit by dogs and everything else but you're benefiting from it yeah. fool yeah. so no i'm not hearing any of it we benefit every single time black folks make a move towards social justice mm-hmm. We all, every single person of color, we benefit and we have, we should be right there picketing. Right. And unfortunately, you know, this white supremacist, like you said, has pinned us against each other to say, oh, well, you know, yeah, well, what about our, you know, what about our plight over Mm -hmm. here? What about, you know? Dude. Well, yeah, and that—that's the the um the what at about what aboutism that happens, right? That's a right. tool of division. That's a tool of divisiveness. Um, and I mean that's the reason why we say not all all lives can't matter until Black lives matter, right? Right? Like that's, right. that's you know until you take a stand like what you're saying and embrace and move towards true equity for the Black community then all other lives don't we benefit yeah like everyone will benefit it's like you know when you go when you uh one of the things in in like uh social work practice around autism spectrum disorder is um if you make certain accommodations within classroom settings within other settings that accommodate for autism spectrum everyone thrives because mm-hmm. you know so instead of leaving that one per- those pe- the, the people with autism spectrum disorder out you make it so everybody fits into it and everybody is seen heard and valued and that's right. i mean it's the same fucking concept right like yeah. until black lives are seen heard and valued in this society it don't fucking matter right don't fucking matter right we will con- yeah it w- and we will continue to be struggling in with the policing in our communities i mean cuz the reality is uh, you know people of color 
we've always been segregated in different communities. Mm -hmm. Yes, growing up, I saw, you know, scattered white folks, Mm -hmm. but typically those scattered white folks were not in the same income level as I would say, you know, my, what my dad was, you know, had he not been paying all that money for private school, Mm -hmm. you know, we would, but we couldn't move out anywhere. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Like that's the thing is that you'll have low, lower income white folk in communities Communities that are predominantly people of color. Yeah. Because it is, I mean, it it does come down to like a rich or poor thing. Right. And you know, they, I, I think people will find their community no matter what. The problem is we keep people in certain communities, you know, just like we gentrify neighborhoods when it's, when it's good for the white community. Right. Right. Like exactly. When they're, when they're being outpriced, Alberta, look at North Portland, look at Kenton neighborhood. Let's go develop those areas and outprice those people in those areas. Exactly. You know, so investment dollars don't happen because, you know, it's not happening because black and brown people live there. It's Mm -hmm. happening because again, we want to steal their communities because, you know, we see this as an up and coming neighborhood. Yeah. Up and coming? Excuse me. What do you mean by up and coming neighborhood? <laughs> right. Like, this is our neighborhood. It's yeah. been, you know, I, it just it, it just boggles my mind. I think it was it was. I was also thinking about like I was reading this article. Um, I was you know I have so many fucking articles for today. It was yeah. just like, uh, which ones do I use? So one of them I was reading about was moving from being an ally to accomplice. And the difference between allyship and accompliceship. And and it was really geared towards um, like nonprofit organizations um, and, and things that that really they kind of make their money on uh, issues with the marginalized communities. Right. Yeah. And they stay in a certain space where they're friends with the people in the elite and power. Right. They stay in good relations with them. Yet they claim that they're helping the marginalized communities that they serve. And they and I not to say they don't do good work. There's a lot of agencies that do good work, that get paid very little to do that work. But there is this thing around they kind of keep themselves in a balance of staying employed. And I thought to myself, what if, what would happen if we took the money that goes to those organizations and we just gave it directly to the families, directly to the community, you know? Oh, I could already hear it. Oh, you know, you know, they I know what that, know yeah, how yeah, to, yeah, yeah. They don't that, know how yeah. to spend their money. It's right. just going to go. Well, and that's drugs. been the justification of doing this, these contracts, right? These contracts, right. these um, RFPs that go out through, through organizations that nonprofits have to apply for and that they, they have to use this money this specific way. And if they do, don't, they can lose their contract contract so they're constantly living in fear of like well if i pay for this will we lose our contract will we you know all of these things and i'm thinking what if you know mm-hmm. what well it's you know the same concept of this you know bailout stuff and the, the cares act and all that is like what if instead they just gave a certain percentage to each person you know kind of thing not right. the 1200 but like I, you know right and, and what i what i see is they do the same thing even when they do these grants oh yeah like uh where you know it's like well how are you spending that money yeah well who cares if you're paying somebody's rent or somebody's light bill or somebody's cell phone bill well, or, let's just, what do you, 
Let's just draw from real life. I'll draw from real life because I can fucking talk about it. Yeah. How about the time I worked for an agency where uh, we had a grieving family whose son had been killed due to to gang violence. And one of those agencies was trying to help out to get the funeral paid for and get some of the expenses paid for. And in swoops, the white leadership saying, we can't spend the money like that. We can't do that. And people are literally taking collections at a funeral so the body can get to the fucking gravesite. Right. right. Like, how fucked yep. up is that? How because we don't want that? the news folks to, hello? To so say, that's oh, what the, you pay for this gang member's funeral. That's Look right. at them paying for a gang member's funeral. Uh, that's right. Uh, no, we're paying for a young boy's funeral. Yeah. That to see that, but it's it's all about who's in leadership yeah. and, and being able to justify with your words because you feel it and you know that that's the right thing to do. Yeah. And I mean, and that's the parental patriarchy of organizations and government that says, I can tell you how to spend your money better than you know how to spend your money. Exactly. And, and tell you what to spend your money on and what's worthy and what's not worthy. And so what the message was to that, to me, to that family was your son is not worthy. You are not worthy because your son got into gangs, died because of gang violence. Therefore you must suffer and you must pay for the, for the situation that your son got himself into. Not mentioning the fact of why do kids join gangs? Why do kids get into the gangs for a sense of belonging? Here's a kid who's a Brown kid who's just trying to fucking find belonging in a white community and right or wrong, he ends up in, in, in gang culture because of that. Right. Like, uh, yeah. So, um, I was just thinking of that and thinking of that article and all of the things that have been going through my brain over the last week. And, um, I think there's one thing that's kind of interesting too, before we do this ally article is um, I'm hearing a lot more. And honestly, I think it's a good thing. I mean, I could be like, Oh wow, finally. But I also think, okay, where do I find the positive of it? Because I'm trying to trying trying to tap into my fucking, you know, um, meditation, Buddhist type belief systems. (laughs) Um, And, I was listening to a, a thing earlier before we started, um, and it was a um, white lady talking about how she has been basically woke up from all of this. Like she's woke up and she's like, "Wow, you know, I was never, I never paid attention to the news much before this, or and I never was very, you know, active and." Um, now everything that I've seen, it's like, oh yeah, I I've been complicit because I haven't been paying attention. I haven't been saying. So for me, some of it is like, okay, yeah, there's some people actually waking up, and I do feel like there's an awakening happening. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, look at the civil rights movement. Look at any movement. It didn't it didn't happen just by like one day, the patriarchy stepped in and said. Eh, you're right we're kind of fucked up like we you know right we kind of did be, at- do do wrong by women and black people and you know yeah right. we're gonna change no everything has been taken because of movements like is happening right now like yeah, i saw an article in, from paris from paris france full mobilization full street oh, school yeah. you know yeah so i don't know the same way all the fucking bullshit 
that has happened, you know, with Trump and all his fucking proud boys and tea partiers and all his fucking stupid ass fucks that have rallied and done things. It's like now there's a counter, you know, and now I feel like more people are joining and more people are waking up. And there is a piece of it where it's like, I do feel like a sense of that side running scared. I think the, the, the scary thing and the danger is they have power. They have the guns, they have the police force, you know, so they have the military, right? So, you know, just kind of thinking about all of that and, and, and how it sucks that it's taking shit like this. Right, because yeah. this isn't the first time a black man has no. been killed. Nope. <laughs> you know, this nope. isn't the first time we've seen this kind of thing. Nope. And uh, and I'm also thinking, okay, well, it, finally, welcome to the party. You know. Yeah, and, and and that's the thing that I, you know, that is enraging is that somebody else had to lose your life, had to lose their life. Mm -hmm. Somebody else had to do that in order for you to believe it. Yeah. Like you had to, you had to literally witness it Mm -hmm. in your freaking face Mm -hmm. for you to believe it. Exactly. That's, that's the, now that's where I say we should all be ashamed and we should all feel guilty that that's what had to happen in order for it to, you know, mobilized to this degree, right? Like this is, but you know, when you, when we look at that one, uh, black cop that shot that lady, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, hell it, that was, you know, on the news yep. plastered everywhere, yep. you know, a black man, black cop, that kills was it, a lady. black cop kills white lady. Yep. Right. And where is he at jail? Yep. Yeah, exactly. In, jail serving time yeah and what do we see eric garner what happened to those police officers acquitted, acquitted. uh acquitted. Orlando Castillo, acquitted, acquitted. acquitted. so right. not even indicted and he used this that black officer used the same verbiage i right felt threatened yep i was afraid because yep. she came pounding on the window yep <laughs> i that, feel that in itself does not right. work for black cops no no, no, does not. And, and here we have, yeah, no, does not. Ugh. So I, yeah. So let's figure out how we can be allies. I got, yeah. I have an article. I got some tips. Um, this comes from sojo.net. Um, and it is, like I said, entitled for our white friends desiring to be allies. However, we are editing this title and saying for our non-black friends desiring to be allies. Um, this did come out in 2017 post Charlottesville. So, um, you know, keep in mind, this was three years ago. Um, so number one, and we've talked about this, listen more, talk less, right? Now is not the time to say something. You don't have to say something all the time. You don't have to post something on social media that points out how liberal you are, how aware you are, how cool you are, how good you are. I like to call that performance allyship. You don't need to be a performing ally. Um, you, you have also had the microphone for most of the time. You have for a very long time, and it would be good for you to give up the microphone to someone else who is living a different and ex- different experience than your own. Um, number two, 
For one out of every three opinions or insights shared by a person of color in your life, try to resist the need to respond with a better or different insight about something that you read or listened to as it relates to their shared opinion. So now is not the time to tell black people mm-hmm. how to protest. Now is not mm-hmm. the time to tell black people how to feel. Now is not the time to tell black people how to grieve. And that you mm-hmm. read this thing or you went to this class or you listened to this podcast. Now is not the time. It's just mm-hmm. like number one. Listen, talk less. Um, mm-hmm. Number three, being an ally is different than simply wanting not to be racist. Thank you, by the way, for that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Being an ally requires you to educate yourself about systemic racism in our country. um, Some examples of books that you can read are Michelle Alexander's The New Jim Crow, Ta-Nehisi Coates' Between the World and Me, and Claudia Rankin's Citizen, and so many other great books and articles. Um, Mm -hmm. And I would say on this point, don't ask your black friend, well, what should I read or watch? Mm-hmm. We just gave you four op- options. If you Google, mm-hmm. you're going to find a whole lot more, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to find Google spreadsheets that people have created that have that give you access to all sorts of links and podcasts and movies and books and every articles, everything that you want. You just have to yeah. put your little key, fingers on the keyboard and yeah. type it out, right? Right. And um, there's great gr- the books on tape. Yeah, so or not much. tape, but you know, audiobooks. the audiobooks. Yeah. Audiobooks. I love that. I mean, put on audiobook, on. go for a walk, put on audiobook, do a puzzle. Like, you, there's so many up. To me, that is the frustrating th- thing is that we live in a time of information that, mm-hmm. that is so easily accessible, right? Right. I mean, back there's in our no day. Excuse. We had to go to the library, right? Card catalog, search a, right? Search up a co- uh, search word, do a decimal, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and hope the book was there, right? Oh God, yeah. Um, so the opportunity to access information is so wealthy. Uh, I would say this is is it's okay to ask, but accept no for an answer right like mm-hmm. if i said to my friend hey could you uh do you recommend any books on you know this subject da, 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 and they say you know what no that's not from you need to do your own work i need to accept that right you don't right. need to counter with like but uh, how am i gonna know what to do you know yeah because so much emotional tax is uh expended by black people on constantly having to say something right right like Right. They don't they don't catch a break. Right. So they don't need your ass going like, tell me what to read, tell me what to watch. Um and, and here's the other thing. I cause you know, I'm in meetings all day long and uh, you know, part of what I was thinking was as we're talking about, you know, same thing, we were talking about being an ally. So many times I see I wanna because as people of color, when something like this happens, we're checking in with each other. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you doing? How's everything going? Because we know, right? I want to hear from a white person saying, I've been checking in with my white friends, and this is what we're talking about. This is what we're, you know, I, I want to know what you all are talking about. Or are you just checking in with the people of color? Right. You got to check in with other white folks because you're that's that's the most important piece is and and checking in with, you know, just checking in with your folk. 
You don't need to be checking in with people of color right. or black folks. Check in with your folk because that is where you're going to do the most work is educating your people. Right. Because you're going to hear the real truth of what they're thinking. Yeah. Oh, I don't believe in all these pro. That's where you will be mm-hmm. able to say and educate. Yeah. But you don't need to educate me and, and, you know, let me know that you're an ally. Yeah. Or an accomplice, yeah. whatever you want. You know, you, I, you need to go do that yeah. work in I, I don't need your and, performative right uh, and then when you're coming and you're sitting at the table then that's when i want to hear you know i've been talking to my white friends and i've had to be educating a lot yeah. and i'm doing a lot of, yeah. of work so that when they come to your spaces and you talk that they know shut your mouth or this is how to how to say something or this is you know we this is how I, I got to stretch my brain in order to hear what you're exactly saying instead of getting defensive and yeah. worked up like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. that's what I want to see. Yeah, that's what I want to see. I totally agree. I think um, I, I, the only thing I would say would be um, it's OK to say to your bio, BIPOC, so black, indigenous people of color in your organization or wherever you're at to say, hey, I just want to let you know I'm here if you if you need anything like yeah I, I think not you know like don't be like how you doing tell me how you do no I don't want to fucking right. share, share my feelings with you because every time I share my feelings I have this sense of I have to justify how I feel right, right. because of that conditioned white supremacy and constantly being questioned around well you know but did they really mean it oh i think you did oh i think you're taking that out of context oh that person you know they wouldn't say you know so i probably would be less likely to share my feelings with you as a white person because i don't have to justify my feelings right so unless and you're I'm like, ready, i want to know what you're doing in the community right. in your community and so unless you're ready to sit there and just listen and just be empathetic right the Brene brown mm-hmm. of like don't offer me a fucking sandwich right just offer me an empathetic response of like yeah that probably fucking sucks I can't yeah. imagine. I can't imagine because I don't, I have the privilege not to even have to imagine what it's like. Right. Right. And then, yeah. Counter with, but, here's what I'm doing he, with my white friends. I, yeah. I had this conversation. I did this. I said this, you know, like right now, especially not before. And especially now is not the time for white silence mm-hmm. and non-black silence. Right. Now is not the time. Say yep. something to someone, you know, you know how your aunt talks, you know exactly. how your cousin talks, you know how you talk when you're sitting at home with your friends, right? Right. When you're sitting around drinking Coors Light, you know how you talk, you know the things that you say. <laughs> yeah. Check yourself. Check right. your bro- Check your friends. Check your, you know, check grandma, whatever. Like, right. It's not, it's and, not. An and that's the piece where we're saying silence is what keeps racism going. Yeah. Because if you're hearing it and you are saying zip because you're afraid you're going to get into it or you don't want to get into it. Yeah. Remember that knee on George Floyd's neck. Yeah. Just remember it. Yeah, absolutely. And don't come out without outrage. Oh, my God, I'm outraged. Yeah. Oh. Just, yeah. 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 Just remember that as you get ready to educate the people that you know 
and you're surrounded by it's uncomfortable and it's difficult but how uncomfortable was george floyd he was uncomfortable to the point he died right right or martin luther king as they're blasting them with hoses and dogs and yeah yeah no so uh, it's not, that's why I said this is not a pass even for the Latino community. Exactly. This is not a pass for you. Same thing. Mm-hmm. You need to. Sh- I was shocked. My mother, 80 years old, she was telling me about, you know, this conversation uh, she was having with my brother, shutting him down, wow. shutting him down. And I was like, wow. you go, mom, you go. You shut him down. Well, I was, that was I, it. I've been surprised at some people in my life as well lately. Um, my, my sister-in-law, I guess my sister-in-law, she's married to my brother. So that's what it's, what it is. Um, I gotta say she, she's, she's stepping up. Waking up. She's waking. That's Good. what I'm saying. It's like the positives. Like I see some waking up, right? Cause she had made yeah. some sort of comment about something I posted. Cause I'm posting, I'm posting left and right. I'm like, I don't give a fuck anymore about what people right. from my hometown want to fucking think about me. And don't forget where you came from and all that fucking other bullshit. Like, what does that mean? Oh, they don't well, like. What does that mean? <laughs> don't forget, you came from a bunch of races. Is what how I take I it. Guess, that's what like, I'm saying. Like, I girl, mean, know that, your place. That's what that it feels code? like. Like, is that that code? feels my like, girlfriend. girl, know your place. Know your place, girl. Don't forget. Don't forget you white. Don't I forget. Mean, don't I, don't forget <laughs> you. You're biracial, and you need to shut them up. I don't know. Like, I, how many don't ways I can white take side? it? Yeah. I, I, like, what does that mean? Don't forget your white side. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been posting left and right and she had like commented about something and, um, you know, I, I could have went at her, but I'm like, okay, let me just, you know, cause it was, her comment was kind of okay. Right. Yeah. But I just did a little correction and I really just talked about, you know, systemic oppression and the country is built on this. The system's not broken. It was made for this. We just kind of make a, made a comment mm-hmm. and, she did i mean she made a com post about like she did her work she went and she realized and realized how entrenched in racism this country is and you know by no means is she perfect yet but the simple fact she was willing to do that you know she's on her journey she was willing to start yeah to me that's like okay keep going keep going keep learning and that's what i had said in my post too is like this is there isn't an end to this journey like you have to keep learning um so you know, when I see that kind of shit, I'm like, okay, yeah, you, mm-hmm. you don't get deleted yet, right? <laughs> but I'm watching you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching yeah. some of you, yeah, and I'm yeah. watching a lot of people's silence. Like, yeah, I haven't deleted anybody yet, but I'm seeing a lot of silence from white people that I know, and I'm like, I, I haven't deleted anybody either, but I'm wondering if it's because I mean, and I don't know. I'm wondering if it's because you know, they, you know, they don't know what to say or they don't want me to, you know, delete because, you know, I, I'm not. No, I, you don't know. No, that's yeah, where I'm I, I at. don't know. And that's like where I'm at, too, is like, do you just not know what to say? So you're just or you agree. You or, just, you know, like you, me, I'm right. like, yeah, you know, and you're scrolling. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. and but you just don't press click like yeah. I can't. But I haven't had anybody um, that uh, has posted something negative on 
on my stuff because I like yeah, I said I I'm not me. playing I don't play yeah so and I think don't... that yeah I think that's me too like I they the the it's like I've already made it very clear you don't play you don't come right. on here and say no. shit that is no. twisted and backhanded yeah. I mean it, it just ain't gonna happen it just ain't gonna nope. happen I'm not gonna no. be I'm gonna be like okay here's what I think and then if you fucking come back okay bye delete. I saw yeah. a hashtag not deleted, just racist. Right. Or not dead. No, not, not dead. Just racist about right. like, I lost a, I lost an aunt today. She's not and hashtag not dead. Just racist. <laughs> Cause yeah. people are like, yeah, that's, you know, that's what it's gotta be. I yeah. mean, unfortunately, I mean, it's like, no why you know, yeah. Family is, but if you, I mean, cause here's the thing as a female, Cause I'm like, I, I'll, I'll defend Karen's rights. You know, <laughs> I'll defend Karen's right as a female, as you know, that we shouldn't, that, you know, and what was this Albright? What's her name? Uh, Madeline Albright. Yeah. You know, here's this white lady who, who said it for real. She was like, women in high power cannot be mediocre. Right. White men in power can be mediocre uh, yeah we elected right? one that's <laughs> below mediocre it's fucking exactly. worthless <laughs> that's right and and that's acceptable but women we cannot and i and then i go a step even further madeline imagine a woman of color boom we gotta be even sharper than you boom we we can't even reach the level of you. Boom. You're sharp. We got to be better. We got to be like a Michelle. Yep. Michelle Obama. Yep. Her eloquence with her words, you know, Harvard. That's the, ep that's where yeah. we have to reach. And still got shit for wearing sleeveless <laughs> shirts. Right. You know, that's, I mean, that is like, for me, that's like, she's like uh, the Einstein. Yeah. <laughs> That's where we have to reach. So it's like, I will fight for Karens if they're, you know, on women issues. Right. I'll stand next to you, Karen. Yep. I'll but fight for you right for an abortion. Your I'll... ass better be right next to me. Yep. When exactly. as a woman of color, yes. I'm asking you. 100%. Because I'm right there with you on women's rights. You need to be right there with me right. on equal rights. Right. And I mean, that's the fucking issue with feminism, right? Is yeah. that feminism is always couched in a white feminist viewpoint, right? They right. forget the intersectionality of black women and women of color and feminism, right? Yeah. Like yeah. The, the even voting rights, like even though women got the right to vote, white women got the right to vote, right to vote right. first. Yeah. So all women didn't get the right to vote in 1920. Right. So, like you're saying, is we'll be there for your right to get an abortion. I'll be there for your right to be a sex worker. Right. Um, and they should have been out there for civil rights. Right. Exactly. So in droves. So if you ain't if you ain't showing up to the party, I'm not inviting yeah. you anymore. <laughs> right. You yeah. Um. All right. Now, what number were we on? Number number four. Did we do number four? Um. Oh, no, we hadn't done it before because we got stuck on the book one. Uh, number four, please try not to. I can't believe that something like this would happen in this day and age. Oh, yeah. Your way yeah. into being an ally when atrocities like the events. Again, this was in 2017. Charlottesville, 
Charleston, South Carolina happened. Current Breonna, uh, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, hey, let's all put the countless under, others. If you are listening to this podcast, <laughs> I had bet I will slap you into three weeks ago if you say I didn't know this was happening. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I will slap you to our very first episode. <laughs> you need to go back to the beginning. <laughs> there is no way that statement could come out of your mouth. Right, right. Yeah. So, um, again, people of color have been aware of this kind of hatred and violence in America for centuries, and it belittles the experience for you to show up 300 years late to the oppression <laughs> party, suddenly That's caring true. about the world. Right. Don't get me wrong. We welcome you. But I want you to come in of a place of awareness. Have, however, your shock and outrage at the existence of racism in America echoes the fact or that you, cheers. yeah, or uh, that you have lied, you have lived an entire life with the luxury of indifference about the lives of marginalized and disenfranchised folks. Yep. I mean, those that don't live in your neighborhood. Yeah. If you're just coming to the party now, you you, yep. you gotta you gotta pick up the pace. That's we gotta right. pick the pace. Yeah, we already did our shots. We're on to doing other things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're partying exactly. here. Um, yeah. Number six. Uh, oh wait, that was number five. Number five. Ask when you don't know, but do do the work first. And I kind of alluded to this one before. So it's nuanced. Some marginalized, disenfranchised folks will tell you not to ask them anything, but don't be offended by that. Folks are tired, and that is understandable because the, it's exhausting to be a marginalized person in this world. However, there is something special that happens with human connection and relationship. And in a nutshell, mm -hmm. don't expect for people to educate you. Do the work to educate yourself. Ask questions with relationships relationships that feel safe and do the do so respectfully so yeah. you know the, again it's it's a nuance you got to know when to do it um and if they say no then don't fucking push yeah don't Use get don't get search. all offended like i can't believe yeah. she went out me uh, can't believe. Google search. yeah get in it yeah. get in there yeah um, and good and i don't know if i said this but i'm gonna say it again Start with your immediate circle yes. of, you know, your top, your top five, list. your top five yeah. and take a look at the color, you know, uh, uh, the racial, uh, demographics right. of your top five, mm -hmm. start there, assess, and then keep going out until you hit your, and don't, we're not saying include your, you know, sister-in-law is one. You know, not unless you're real close to you. Right. Know. We're talking about the people that you would call at 3 a.m. if something's right. going down. Right. Right. The the people that you would call. Who are the first five people in your life that you would call or whatever that you would call when you had good news, when you had bad news, when you had, you know, like we're not talking about your coworker yeah. Sandy that you fucking have lunch with every now and then with other people. Right. right? We're talking right. about people that know your secrets like they know right. who you are like they you know like that that yeah. is your inner circle you know start yeah exactly so start there and work your way out right and see how many degrees you are from the community of color yeah you because know some people it's that's not. gonna tell and you some people it's more than i think they realize because they count yeah. that black co-worker they count right. that one black friend that they had done this thing with you know 
some extracurricular activity or organization they go to, you know, they call to count that black per, per person from church. Right. You know, and, and, and then basically ask why. Yeah, exactly. What, why what is has that kept you person six degrees away from me? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and it comes down to being uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. and this is the same thing within our Latino community. It comes down yep. to, well, I don't know. But, you know, I, what I, for me, what uh, I always go to is we do have a shared experience. And that shared experience is knowing what it feels like to be treated differently because of the color of our skin. Right. You know, that that's what has migrated me because, you know, growing up in a predominantly all white school, uh, my friends were at a young age, African-American. And I think about that and I'm like, why did we as kids migrate like that? And they were the ones that were at the school with you in the same school yeah, with you? They were oh. the ones at the school. So they were the, what? you know, the one, two. All the PLCs you know. sit at the same t- table in the cafeteria at that kind of school, I imagine. That's right. So yeah. I'm like, but what, as children, why did I, I, and that's something that, you know, baffles me is why did we migrate together? Why did me and my black friends somehow, I mean, like magnets, beep, yeah. you know? automatically connected yeah i mean fundamentally as human we're tribal so as a child right you're looking for things that are similar to you similar to you so like oh well that that's more similar than this one over here so she might be nice to me or he might be nice to me i don't know about those ones over there because they're they're nothing like me and i'm being bust out of my community where i see this color yeah i don't see right. that color right but it's it's not something that is conscious in you know in my head and it's not to say that you know that was one of the things that like i was very conscious of right skin color it just i'm you know as you're growing up it's just like well how did how did that i, I don't know how that quite happened like you know where my where my pool of friends majority my pool of friends my top five were all girls of color yeah and and it wasn't by design it you know it wasn't like i said well you know it just happened and so i mean and that continues it you know still i do have white friends um you know yeah (laughs) uh but i think it tells you you know just how as people of color how we can go between you know how much easier it is for us to be able to go to different communities and we have to, you know, especially in white communities, we have to know how to behave in white communities. And it's not the same way as when I'm behaving with you or when I'm behaving with my African-American girlfriends. It is in no way, shape or form the same. And I think, you know, white accomplices or white allies, you know, it, what I'd like to see is that they understand that mm-hmm. and that even though it's uncomfortable for you to, to just keep going at it, just keep, you know, meet with that one friend, you know, that one person of color and just, just start slow. Don't yeah. be throwing expectations, you know, Hey Sally, can we go to lunch? You know, it's odd. Yeah. That's odd. Yeah. It's just a smile. It could start off with a smile. And I'm going to, I tell my girlfriend this too. 
um, I won't name her, but uh, she, uh, I first saw her in, you know, my job there and she just had this distant, uh, you know, there was a distant energy. Like I ain't got time for you. Mm -hmm. She's African-American, but I tell her all the time. I said, when I first saw you, um, for some reason I said, okay, girlfriend, I got you. (laughs) We're going to be friends by the end of this, you know? And it all just started for me. It was like, just saying hi. Yeah. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. Smiling. Yeah. You know, just a little, little at a time until I got to know her to find out that no, in fact, you know, she wasn't distant. She's not that way, but because we make up stories about people of color, that we say, Oh, they're aloof. Mm -hmm. They're this, they're that. But I'm saying challenge yourself to get to know. And if they are aloof, It'll take a little bit longer, but trust has to be. Yeah, you know, that if person they are aloof, think about what per, what is that protective factor of aloofness, right? Right. Like it, it, the right. Behavior is is an it, behavior that you find challenging is usually an unmet need by that person, right? So, right. what is that aloofness? Where did that aloofness come from? Why did why did that person right. have to develop that aloofness as a protection, right? Like. Right. Because it's real, right? You have to be on guard. You're going into, like you said, white spaces that aren't welcoming. So, yeah, you may be a little bit more guarded. You may not want to talk to, you know, Karen, because I don't know what you're going to do, especially in a work setting, right? Like, what's your your agenda? And what if you find out something about me that you don't think is right? And the first thing you do is go off and tell fucking the boss, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, so all of the things that have happened systematically and historically to black people in, in our country there may mm-hmm. be a an aloofness or there may be a defensiveness or there may be something that you like make up in this story in your head but right check yourself because what what right. why why are you seeing as an aloofness first off and right. and what and what could what could be happening to that person that that's why they're doing that right right i mean right. yeah 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 Whew. so oh number six uh, and finally stop talking about colorblindness. It's not a thing. Colorblindness is totally impossible in a nation whose land was taken from indigenous habit- inhabitants, though an attempt, uh, through an attempt at genocide and horrific colonization, the same nation that enslaved humans and exploited them in every way imaginable, built a nation on their backs, hung them, hunted them, and for centuries kept them from the basic inalienable inable- rights and still does. The same action that exploits and deports immigrants who are promised refuge in the but within the American Constitution, the same nation that incarcerated Japanese Americans during World War II and continues to promote bigotry, exclusion, and violence against the LGBTQ gender non-identifying folks. This nation that allows swastika-wearing, Confederate flag-toting, anti-Semitic racists to have a platform for their hate. The same nation that promised religious freedom yet targets those who do not believe in a white capital Jesus. Yeah, that's right. So you can't be colorblind. Nope. Don't exist. Stop saying that. I just don't see color. Everybody's the same. Everybody's not the same. Right. Everybody's not treated the same. (laughs) And that white capitalist Jesus was exactly what Trump was using. 100%. In front of that church 100%. with the Bible in his hand. He 
He ain't no fuck. He's what? about as Christian as I am. <laughs> right. In fact, I might be a little more Christian than he is. <laughs> right. Like, let's get the wreckage straight. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, come yeah, on. That, that's, that's far. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm like, please. Oh, oh. wow. And what and what, what do we have we seen any evangelicals popping off? I of know the um not. you know that uh what's the uh oh the more progressive uh what are they called? Um they're is this some kind of Jesus thing? Remember. Yeah, they're they're Christian, but they're more progressive Christians. Uh, um Oh, oh, darn it. I sent an article to my friend. Um, a, not an article, but a letter. Non-dominational? Uh, nah. um, oh, darn it. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Uh, Episcopalians. Episcopalians. Okay. Yes. So I sent an article about the Episcopal, the New England Episcopal Bishop condemns Trump's church visit. Oh. But I haven't seen anybody else. Right. Yeah, no, I, like I, I haven't. I haven't seen. You I haven't know, seen like the Catholic Church come out. I haven't seen, you know, um, any of it. Like, yeah, nobody. Just the Episcopalians. Yeah. Oh, I did see. I did see an article or uh, where they were saying um, uh, Amish people were out there. Black oh yes, matter. Yes, they were. I did yes. see that. That was pretty cool. <laughs> so, I mean, a comedian actually was like. We know we got a problem when the Amish folks are coming out. <laughs> right? Because they're typically right. known as like, we don't take sides. Very like, peaceful. I mean, they'll like, they'll forgive someone who's killed one of their, you know, fought. I don't, the like, mass shootings yeah, that happen yeah, with, like, amongst their, you know, with their children. Yeah, they'll. That to me is, yeah. So when the Amish they're are the kind, the corner, come on yeah. now. You know you got a problem. Come on now. <laughs> and yet, oh. These freaking evangelicals? Yeah. Because Come their on. capital is Jesus, right? That's right. Like, think about some That's of right. think about some of who you got the Jim Baker, right? Yeah. You got yep. the uh what is the one dude with the Jerry parking? Falwell. Jerry Falwell. Um I'm thinking about the other dude. He he wanted Jesus he want he needed Olsteen? another jet. Olsteen's now that's another one. Uh, what is his mm -hmm. name? He wanted the people of his, uh, he had to beg for money so he could get another jet, because private jet, because, you know, you can't be mixing with the evil in uh, in the airplane. You don't ne you never know who's around you, and you don't want to get, God, what is that you guy's name? That's why I'm like, he's the like one that did the thing about, like, I blow at the, um, uh, coronavirus. Did, did he have? I blow the have cor a... coronavirus away. <laughs> that one. You remember that one? <laughs> yeah. Oh God damn! Uh, I'm gonna have to look it up. And but yeah, like that guy. Like yeah, because they're all they, capitalist Jesus, right? They're all yeah. capitalist Jesuses because th it's all about money. Well, it's like the fucking story we did last week about the uh, the lady who was Jane Doe. In Rover or Jane Roe in Rover Suede, right? Right. Who then the the evangelical system got a hold of her, got her to change her story and how much she regretted it and all that, and then she comes out basically on her deathbed saying, you know, they bought me off. I mean, even them, they said, oh yeah, yeah, we did it. Yep, we paid her off. Yeah, and we is uh, it uh, Jesse 
Duplantis? No. No, it's some no. like basic. Well, then there's another one. That <laughs> there's was another one. Um, yeah, what is his name? Oh. It, I, this is the, this one. I mean, this Washington Post from 2018. A televangelist wants his followers to pay for a 54 million dollar private jet. Oh, it's his fourth plane. What? Another uh, Kenneth Coleman. Kenneth Coleman. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Kenneth Coleman. Confronted about private jets. It's a biblical thing, he said. Yeah. What? Yeah. Give me the verse. <laughs> You didn't it's a know, thing. Give me the verse. You didn't know uh, Aviosus, uh yeah. chapter 1, verse 5? Yeah. Thou shalt give all preachers a private jet so as not to have to mingle with the that lowest of the low the of the earth. Scrolls, the secret dead sea scrolls that they discovered just recently. It was the, it was the lost book of the Bible. That they right. didn't want to come forward. To, I found right. it. It was found under my bed. Capital oh, S. Yeah. <laughs> that bull crap. I, you know, I, that's just, yeah. Ugh. You know, it's, I, I just. It ain't right. It ain't right. It ain't right. <sighs> it ain't right. Um, no. I do want to name the author of this piece too, because she is a black author. So not only did I name the website, but the author of this piece was Courtney Ariel. Uh, she's a songwriter and storyteller. She's committed to building bridges of deeper understanding through stories. Despite what middle school taught many of us, she thinks we are the coolest when we care. Let's give it a shot. So, yeah, thank you. Corey. I agree. I agree. However, I think, you know, they need to add that piece in there. If you're a white accomplice slash ally, you need to really check in yeah. with your core group. Yeah. Because if you're, if within that five, you find out you got a person that's not woke. Yep. It's your job to help wake them yep. up. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's your job and, to freaking say something and do something and bring them along. And I just, I because mean, that's the Karen yeah. that is going to go into a meeting mm -hmm. and say the freaking wrong thing. Yeah. Because you didn't help wake her up. Yeah. I was actually impressed at the Dean of Social Work. He sent out a letter about all of this, yeah. you know. And um, I think I might have already said this. I don't know. I don't know if I said it during we were talking or if I said it before we talked. But I'm going to say it again. Um, he uh, sent out a letter. And at the end of it, he said, how many uh, Amy Coopers are we graduating? Oh. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Yeah, no, That's we did talk about this. Yeah, we did yeah, talk we, about yeah. this. Yeah, we yeah, talked yeah. about how yeah. many diversity classes yeah. are you offering? How yeah. many implicit bias exactly. is are is required? Right, which is you are throwing these people out required. into communities yeah. of color, into communities that face mm -hmm. poverty, mm -hmm. and nothing. And that One and that's, class, that's that and a and and one hundred percent because what happens to most grad school grads first out of out of grad school very few of them get that elusive exclusive job your ass yeah. is headed to a nonprofit. you're at a community mental health organization something that's gonna i mean social workers are underpaid just as much as teachers are i just want to put that out there right so mm -hmm. um so you're going to a, a job that is going to pay you very little like right. very little to work with some of the most systematically impacted folks. Right. Yeah. And if you aren't dealing with, well, again, I, I followed some comments. I mean, this, I think this is how the whole conversation started when we were talking about it was, 
I followed and I read some comments again. Like, mm-hmm. I gotta stop doing them because it's the social worker profession. And you got yeah. people literally commenting all lives matter, literally saying things, you know, and yet they're, they're out there working in these communities. Right. And so I agree with you. Like, now's the time to take your white coworker friends and go have a little affinity media of your own and get some, get some responsibility, some accountability, right. group accountability. Right. right? Like, right. And if anybody in there is like, nah, I don't want to fucking do this or they don't want to come, then you need to point it out, right? Yeah. You ne- exactly. Now's because the time asking, to say. We're asking police officers to point out the bad apples. Right? The same in any other system. Exactly. You got to point out the bad apples. Exactly. Because if you need additional, you know, because again, we talk about this being a journey. Yeah. It's not all of a sudden we give you a couple classes and you woke. Right. <laughs> You know, it's a journey. You yourself are going to have to to struggle with. But I, what about? Oh, and that's the work you're doing with the white accomplice. Yeah, it's not with us. Yeah, you being able to struggle with that because that's what we do amongst people of colors. We're struggling with, you know, going from rage because of what happened to somebody saying, "Yeah, but you got to focus." Yeah, remember this is what you know. You got to. You know, we're having those conversations. Or I hear you, sister. I know what how that's feels and I know you know making sense of what the experience that you're you're facing the same has got to be true with white accomplices and white allies having those conversations that you know the calling when Colin Kaepernick took the knee right exactly that's where conversation should have happened amongst your people yeah exactly you know yeah and, because and, you and know work it out. you set by in the whether you you agreed or you just sat by in the break room and by the water cooler or wherever y'all wait hang out when somebody talks shit about it i don't know why he's doing this it has nothing to do with football uh why don't they just shut up and play i think it's ridiculous you probably know somebody that burned their kaepernick jersey like don't tell yeah. me you didn't hear about it didn't know about it and didn't do anything like you but sometimes i feel like white allies then come to circles where there's people of color who because you know and and i'm gonna say yeah they they believe you know color you know that there's police brutality and blue 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 but you come in to get um affirmation that your thoughts and your ideas are true like that yeah like yeah i should be able you're white i believe this so strongly but you're not saying it within right. your own yes. community. Yes. And, th- and that's where you're silent there. Mm-hmm. And that's where you need to be vocal, right. not in front of us community, mm-hmm. not in front of people of color, in front of your, you know, in front of your own people, they yes. have to hear you. You have to just like, you know, when I put myself out there, even, you know, uh, fighting internalized racism within my own family. Uh, you know, I, I'm heated. Yeah. I'm heated, you know, in sense. Yeah. I'm like, da, 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 ah, you know, cause that's how we do. Right. Um, but that's how, that's how you fight allies and accomplices need to get. Right. It has to get to the point where you're just like, you are wrong. I'm shutting you down. Yeah. Sorry. Right. You, but you have to be armed with statistics. Yes. You have, you have to know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. You can't just be willy nilly, you know, out there just saying, well, you know, what about Martin Luther King? Right. You know, 
No, you got to be right there on your facts. Yeah. And I think that, that requires reading. Yeah. I think that the, the, the time for you to speak in those settings is only when. So if you're, if you're in a workplace or you wherever you're at, right. And you're right. black indigenous POC friends are saying, ah, oh, yeah, this is happening do, 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 or whatever. Right. They're going to go speak to this injustice. They don't need you. We don't need you to speak for us. Right. right. So, okay, we're going to talk about this. I'm going to put myself out there when they turn around and being like, cause you're all in the, in the, in the, in the private room going, yeah, I got your back. I got your back. Yeah. yeah. We'll say it to him. Yeah. I'm going to say that too. Da-da-da. Like we're going to take this to management, whatever. Right. When yeah. I turn around and be like, okay, Becky, it's your turn. And you're like, uh, yeah, well, you know, I still thinking I have things to process and, or you don't say anything or you don't show up, you know, like when we ask you to speak, you better fucking speak. If you're right. down in private, then you need to be down in public. Right. Like you right. don't get a choice. If you're if no. you're down for the cause, you do it everywhere. Yeah. You know, you and don't just okay do it when you're kicking say, it with me. Like, oh right. yeah, you're right. Yeah, I totally you know, it's like I mean, we're kind of saying the same thing over and over again, but right. it's when you're sitting there with your white friends, are you down then? When you're sitting at the yeah. board table with me and the conference table with me and I'm bringing up something that's unjust, are you sitting there quiet? Yeah. You don't want to be a Karen? I mean, you're be- you know, are you a secret Karen? Yeah. I don't like, know. We was all, yeah. you was all, all words back in the office, but we come in the yeah. conference room for the meeting. Where'd you go? You know? Right. And don't right. be one of those. Thank you for saying that. Oh yeah. I really appreciate what you said. Yeah. During the meeting. Yeah. Well then why didn't you fucking speak up too? Right. Well, because I'm nervous. Or I don't have the right words. Uh here or, I got a, I got two words for you. Right. I agree. <laughs> right. <laughs> two words. That's simple. I agree. That's all you gotta <laughs> fucking say. Because right. your white voice is stronger. Right. You know? That's right. And and that's why it's so important for you to educate yourself because in that way you have the confidence and you know what you're talking about. Right. You're, you're not just, you know, well, Tori told me X, Y, and Z. Right. No. No. You got to know why you're saying what right. you're saying. You got to believe why you believe it. Right. Because when you believe, that's when you are able to go off on somebody. Because yeah. you throw in facts. You throwing history. Yeah. You throwing it all down. Yeah. And Woo. then somebody comes back with what? What? Uh, yeah, uh, uh. They're not going to expect it. They're going to be like. And then you drop the mic and then you out of there. Yeah. You know, that's being a white ally and an accomplice. Yes. Yes. Most deaf. Um, wow. We this was a long segment. So uh, <laughs> we I mean, and, and along with the other two that we've done. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, as you all know, we could probably talk about this all night. Like, oh yeah, we could take sure. a break. We could get something to eat. We'll come back with some snacks. We'll go all night, but we can't because no. we do have to work. And unfortunately, morning. it was not a, a regular format. No, because and, there's too many things happening right now. And I'm just you saying, it might not up? be. It might not be for right. a while. For a while, do you want to give the update on the George Floyd situation? Um, yes. 
the what's what's update on that? The what's update. So that's going to give something away, though. Why? Because that happened today. That's okay. <laughs> that, <laughs> we're recording so, today. So full transparency, we recorded yeah. two days in a row this episode. We recorded last yeah. night and we recorded today. We finished today. So we couldn't even finish because in one we night. Had to- because we had technical difficulties on top of heated discussions. Okay. So I, I just felt like I was I was imposter. Like, oh, what do we do here? I was living right. in yesterday, but now <laughs> I can be honest and like, it's actually. Yeah, that's okay. Wednesday. The, right? Wednesday. If our listeners are listening, they're about as heated <laughs> as we are. They ain't going to remember what any disclosure. Well, talking about that? I feel better talking about it. (laughs) So we just had a long break. Yeah, exactly. We took a real long break. So the what's your what's update? The uh, what's update is the uh, four other the three the three others charged in George Floyd's death, and Chauvin is now up to second degree murder charges. That's the other uh, development in the case. Uh, So. The Attorney General in Minnesota, Keith Ellison, announced aiding and betting murder charges against former officers Thomas Lane, J. Alexander Kuing, and Tao to- Tao. I don't know how to pronounce that name. I apologize. Um, in the death of George Floyd while increasing the charges against Officer Derek Chauvin from third to second secondary murder, all four former officers are now in jail. I believe the evidence available to us now supports the stronger charge of second degree murder. I strongly believe that the developments are in the interest of justice for Mr. Floyd. So in jail, they in jail In jail. And you know, I hate to say this, but we have plenty of men of color that have been scapegoats in, you know, in stuff like the central park five, right? Yeah, they were scapegoated. Yep, you know they were targeted, scapegoated, convicted. Yep. the works. Yep. So, you know, and they were innocent. I'm sorry. Right, <laughs> they were innocent. Right. like that's right. You know, so I'm sorry to say, because it's like if these dudes are not convicted, we're gonna. It's gonna be another, another I mean, what we're seeing here. It's going to be another it's going to be worse. It's going to be worse. Oh yeah. It's I mean I can't, yeah. I, I I can't imagine you think this is bad if you targets getting beat up and looted. Yep. I mean I don't know. And mind you, and this I, wasn't just in Minneapolis. It's worldwide. This is worldwide. Out there. Worldwide. I can't breathe. Yeah. I mean Paris? Come on. Like Yep. Yeah. So New Zealand. Did you see those New Zealand brothers oh, out there did, oh, doing their uh, the haka? What is that haka? Yeah. yeah. With with their George Floyd. Oh, I gotta there. look that up. I gotta look that up. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So on the one hand, there is definitely a, an awakening happening, and if you want to be a part of it, now's your time. Like, yeah. Now's the time to be on the right side of history. 
You know, we've been yep. saying it since the douchebag got elected, right? When all Don't the other, all the things he's been doing since day one, yep. you know, trying yep. to go after LGBTQ rights, trying to go, you know, putting kids in cages, trying to, you know, get mad at Twitter. So I'm going to, you know, uh, suspend and do all these things for social media. What you can and can't do. Like We've seen this fascist system. Not that it hasn't been bad before. Like, this is the tipping point. And so mm-hmm. this is your opportunity to be on the right side of history. Even if right. you don't know what to do, like, just be like, like, just step over, right? Just be, just come on right. over. Like, you know, right. you know, you're on the playground and you want to, you like, you see all the people playing it. Like, I want to go over there. I don't know what, to, I don't know how to play that game, but I'll go over, you know? Yeah. Like, come on over. Right. Come on over. At least be on the right side of history. Right. Because I I cannot stand uh, the quotes of Martin Luther King and, you know, why peaceful, you know, using those using those as tools to tell us to calm down. Yeah. yeah, Trying to calm people down. Like why people don't do that, please. Right. Don't don't put that shit up. Don't do it. Don't do and it. And I'm not saying that when I use the word shit, that it's not in reference to, uh, no. you know, the, the words are beautiful and powerful and all the works of MLK are beautiful and yeah. powerful. But if you're if you're not going to put uh, riot is the language of the unheard. Yep. Or the pictures of him being bitten. Right. Beat. Hosed. If you're not putting those pictures. Yeah. Like Don't you're... be putting the one where he's walking quietly and silently. Right. All right. So this has been an episode. It's been strange. It feels as if maybe in the in part we were getting listened to. Because every time we talk about something that was a little bit, you know, probably too progressive for their ears, if they're listening. Right. Especially regarding these four officers. Yeah, like talking about being scapegoats and um, all the things that just started breaking up, which is weird. So yeah, it could be the internet. It could be the government. It could be anybody. We don't know. But we're going to wrap it up for now. Um, yeah, I mean, who knows what episode next week's going to look like. But just know this. Be out there. Use your voice. Do something. Say something. Yeah. Send Um, us your stories. Yeah. So until next week, nos vemos. Adios. Daisy, Daisy, what's your safe word? What's your safe word, Daisy?